0: Yeah, we praise you, God. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Thankful for the Lord this morning. And as we get ready, before we even get start, start, um, I got a phone call from uh, Sister Amber this morning. We had been praying for the, her and Sister Brandy's dad, and he has cancer. And the doctors had told him it was terminal, and he had kind of resolved himself. You know, he uh, he didn't want any extreme treatments he just uh, he wanted to have more quality of life than he did the treatments so uh, anyway they had told him they were looking at months you know maybe even a year and um, seems like that they, he got sick and they took him back to the hospital found cancer in more places and it's not doing good at all and looks like that time could be uh, very very short now so I told them we would just pray for them this morning as, as we got started and uh, just, you know, of course God can still intervene. I'm not putting that healing out of his hand, but uh, let's pray that God will just comfort them today and just strengthen them today. So let's, let's pray for that family right now. Precious Lord, we just lift up a need that's out of our hands. But God, if it's out of our hands, it's never out of yours. And Lord, we know you're the healer of all of our diseases. And we speak healing and we curse cancer today in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And God, we pray the peace of God that passes understanding to comfort this family today. Strengthen them like only you can, God. Help them through this time. God, we're going to praise you and honor you and bless you today. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Now give the Lord another hand clap of praise. We'll praise them for being our healer, being our help in time of need. We thank you today. Glory to God. And if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3. And uh, going to uh, read as we get ready to go into, uh, take a little a few more steps on our gravel road to heaven. Last week we talked about that waiting room. I thought that was a good, that was a good lesson. Uh, thankful for, how God uh, helps us and keeps us. And and today, we're going to express another thought today that we, we often have walking with God. But in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, Paul said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to talk about this question that we have all asked as a child and maybe even as an adult. Are we there yet? Oh, you know you've made that corny joke on a long trip. Are we there yet? Well, let's lift our hands and pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you for your word, for your promises. Thank you, God, that you're always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, as we... Go through your word today. Speak to our heart and our spirits. Revive us, refresh us, renew us today. Lord, we want to make it till we hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us to hear your word today. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Hallelujah. If you're going to make it, give the Lord a hand today. i got plans to make it. Yes, sir, I've got plans to make it. You can be seated. God bless you and thank you for being here today. Are we there yet? Well, that's, uh, you know, we, we make fun of that little question, and kids like to ask that question as they uh, get ready to go to vacation. You know, it's, uh, if you can remember how exciting it was as a kid when your parents would say look in in a week uh, after you get home from school on Friday you got to go right to bed because this is how it would happen at our house when you get home we got a pack and we're getting up very early Saturday morning we're headed to Florida boy I could not wait to go to Florida I thought and we didn't even go to Disney World we just I could not wait to get to the beach because the beach we would go to had the best corn dogs you had ever had and it just having just, I'm going to get on that beach and I'm going to have a corn dog and build a sandcastle and just couldn't wait, you know, to go. But, and you'd be so excited that week, man, you was doing your homework, you was doing your chores, you was cleaning your plate, you wasn't beating up on your younger brother or shooting him with BB guns or nothing. You just, you was good that week because you were so excited about, oh man, here we go, here we go. And and man, you'd get in that car at three o'clock in the morning They'd have a pallet in the back of that big station wagon. We'd lay down, and here we go to Florida. And, you know, it felt like we'd rode forever. You'd pop your head up. Where are we at? Oh, we're two blocks down the road. We, you know, we hadn't even got out of Covington yet. Where do you, you go back to sleep? You know, it's, uh, you know you, you, the, suddenly the excitement just wore off. It was like, I'm not excited anymore. I'm like, I'm ready to get out of this car. I'm tired of this trip. I'm tired of this journey. But I, but I feel like as, even as a kid, I, I learned something along the, uh, those trips is that I began to, and I do this now. My family will tell you if we're going somewhere, I remember things as we're going, wherever we're going. I always look for landmarks, and I look for things so I'll always know I'm going the right way. Well, I started doing that as a kid. I, I started remembering things so I would know when we were close, and that would help me. But, uh, you know, there would always be a, back then, there wasn't no Buckies, but there was a Stuckies. And so, you know, I would be looking for that Stuckies because I wanted to get me a rubber alligator on the way to Florida, and they always had those. But um, when I started seeing moss in the trees, I knew, hey, we're getting close, you know. So there was, uh, and uh, I, didn't, I quit asking, are we there yet? Because I knew. We're not because we're only this far. We're only that far. And and, uh, I, I, and I remember when we would go to Daytona, I could, we always came in the same route. And I can tell you that at that one red light across the street, there was this motel. It was called the Sleepy Bear. And there was this big sign, had this bear with like a nightgown and a cap on. And I always looked for that. that sign. When I saw that, I knew we were about to make a right turn and here we are, we're, we're, we're where we're supposed to be. And uh, so, you know, it, the excitement of, of, you know, when we look at our walk with God, you know, are we there yet? Well, we're not. It's obvious we're not there yet. Now, I'm not talking about heaven. This is not even what this is talking about. It's not talking about crossing the finish line. It's talking about are we there yet in our walk here with God? You know, because uh, we know we've got plans to make it to heaven. But there's a lot of things I want to accomplish while I'm here. And there are a lot of things that I want to succeed in here. There are a lot of places I want to go in my walk with God while I'm here. And so uh, I may find myself asking, am I there yet, Lord? But to, to answer that question, you have to be honest and maybe even, you know, very transparent. With yourself and around others because Paul, when you think of Paul, you're like the apostle Paul. I mean, he, look, he wrote uh, almost the entire New Testament. I mean, we preach more from his letters than we do anything. We quote him probably more than we do anybody. I mean, he, in the New Testament, and we're just fascinated with uh, Paul, you know, just because he was a great apostle and uh, started these churches. Uh, a great evangelist and just pastor of so many churches and things. Just like man, it was Paul. Yeah, but Paul, uh, as we read here, uh, he, he did, and, and plus Paul's conversion, I mean, that's insanity. Paul's going down the road one day. The Lord knocks him down on the road, big bright light shining around him, and he hears him talking Saul, why are you persecuted? You know, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus that you persecute. And, and so he, he, he gets knocked down on this road. He's, uh, he's, he's blinded, uh, you know, uh, and as bad and terrifying as that is, I mean, what the Lord blinded him. You know, it's like, let me take your sight away for a few days so you can start seeing who I am. And um, then he sends a man, Ananias, to come and lay his hands on him you know, it's like scales falling off his eyes. His eyes are open. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He's baptized. He's and now, boom, he's, he's off and preaching. I mean, wow. You know, and we have a great, incredible conversion experience as well. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, there's nothing like it. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, man. There's nothing like coming out of that water knowing your sins have been washed away. And, and man, so now we're in this place where it's, it's exciting, but it's new and uh maybe even like Paul it was unexpected Paul was not seeking Jesus he, he wasn't going to revival he wasn't nobody had invited him to church hey Paul let me come tell you about Jesus he he was persecuting Jesus he wasn't expecting this to happen but see since Jesus was the god that he served he just didn't know it and so uh God said, let me get his attention now, and I was going to tell him what he's going to have to do for me. I've got, he's a chosen vessel, and I've got plans for Paul, so Paul's unsure of what the future holds for him, but in this letter in Philippians, we see Paul, and you read throughout his letters, he's very honest about his conversion, and about his faith, and about who he was just as a man. And many times he would, uh, he would say, I'm the chiefest of sinners, you know, least of all the apostles. And when he was writing this, uh, he started out that chapter saying, my brethren, he was talking to his brothers, his sisters, the church, those that he served with. And he said, it's not as though I had already attained or either that I was already perfect. You know, sometimes we would think of, these great great people that we read about in the scripture that you know, the old saying that hey you're you're all that in a bag of chips you got it all together you're a perfect ten I don't know if I don't know what new sayings they got out there right now so I'm just going with what, what I, I grew up with but but you know it, it, you're the whole package or the total package Paul you know, and so we believe that uh, he's just got it all together but Paul said no it's it, I'm not acting like I've already attained where I want to be, or that I'm perfect or complete. He knew that within his flesh, he wrote in another place, "Within my flesh, there dwells no good thing." And he said, so he was very honest about his uh, walk with God. That I am not there yet. I'm not where I need to be yet. But this is what I'm doing. I'm following. I'm in a steady pattern of moving forward. If you could sum it up in the book that we're reading from and teaching from, said if you could sum up Paul's journey in one word, it would be onward because he was constantly moving forward in the Lord. And when you are serving God, uh, look, you're going to ask this question all the time. Am I there yet, Lord? Am I there yet, Lord? Because we're not there yet. We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always trying to be better. We're striving every day to be more like him and to to put the weight of that cross back on us and begin to keep following him and walking after him. It is a steady walk with God. It is a trip that we are taking in this life. And it's not just about getting to heaven. It's where are you at here? Where are you at in your walk with God? Because... For every destination, there's a mile. Where are you at in your walk? When you go on vacation, you've probably got places you always stop at. Now, anytime we go to Florida's now, I guarantee you we're stopping at Bucky's. And now I realize that as you go out to Louisiana, when you get close to Birmingham, there's a Bucky's. So if I'm going that way or that way, I know where I'm stopping at. I'm looking for it. I'm watching the signs. I know there's gonna be a place and people can call me and say, hey, where are you at? And I'm at Bucky's. I can tell them right where I am in my journey. Be honest. I ain't going to lie. Well, I'm at the Ritz-Carlton. No, you're not. You're trying to make it look better than it is. No, you're at you're, you're the gas station. It's a big gas station. It's an awesome gas station. But, uh, but that's where you are. And Paul was honest. He's like, yeah, I, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change my experience with God. But I'm going to tell you, I hadn't quite attained yet But that doesn't mean I'm just satisfied to sit here. Guess what? Uh, Despite what you may believe, you can't live at Bucky's. Uh, You can't stay there. They'll run you off. You can't stay there forever. But, uh, you know, you can't stay where you are and and then say, am I there yet? Uh, uh, No, you're where you have been for a long time, but you haven't gotten, unless you're moving forward, you haven't gotten to the places, to the stages that God wants you to go. Every trip, every destination, whether you're walking or driving is filled with distance that you cover. And in this walk with God, it is not measured so much in the physical steps like you're actually moving closer, but it is the time. It is the days, the weeks, the months, the years. Where are are you moving forward? Are you growing? Are you maturing in your walk with God? Am I there yet? Not yet. And this is what Paul said. He said, here's the thing. I'm not perfect, I'm not complete, but I follow after. Because this is worth fighting for. This is worth living for. This is worth going through. Whatever I've got to go through, I'm going to follow after. I'm not going to sit back and expect God to push me along in a chair. I'm not going to sit back and ask God to just drag me along kicking and screaming. But I'm going to follow him. I've made a decision that I will follow the Lord. I'm going to follow him and make sure that I keep my eyes focused on him. When you're following somebody, you're always behind them. When you're following somebody, you're not telling them which way to go. You're following. You're trusting their lead. And I trust the leading of the Lord. So if I'm going to ever get to completion uh, or what he wants me to be complete, Uh, friend, that I'm going to have to make sure I am following after him. He said, that's the only way that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended. He said, what I'm trying to catch has already caught me. It's already got me. It's got my heart. It's got my mind. It's got my soul. It's my life. And I'm going to keep following after Jesus. So then he said, what helps me with this? is that I forget those things that are behind. You've got to forget the past and all its distractions. Now, we always, in our mind, well, it's the past. We've got to lay down past hurts and and past faults and past mistakes. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Paul had plenty of trials and tests and things that happened in his life uh, that he could say, yeah, I've got to forget all these wrongs that have been done to me but sometimes you gotta let go of the right as well. I'm not saying let go of the truth or let go of uh, you know your walk with God. He had just mentioned all the things where he could boast about. He said, "Man, I'm a Pharisee. I'm zealous, more zealous than most of my fathers. I, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I, you know, I was. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm part of God's people. I, I could." really brag and boast on that and, and just camp out and plant my flag there but I'll never progress. You see, and that's what he was defending before he met Jesus. He was defending uh, that Pharisee way, that Hebrew way that we serve uh, the one God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and, and he was persecuting the name of Jesus and, and doing everything he could against the church until he realized ah, Jesus is that god of abraham isaac and jacob and so he said i've got to forget sometimes you know the things that could hinder me uh, even though they're needful and they're good you know, i can't act like well I, I was ordained and i got me a card so that's where i'm staying uh, I, I'm, i've got the title of pastor of this church and so that just means I've arrived and I can just do what I want to and I don't need to grow anymore or learn anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. I am the pastor of this church, but I feel like Paul. I am not already perfect. I have not yet attained. I'm still striving every day to be better. But, hey, don't get it wrong now. That don't change who I am. It doesn't change my uh, calling. It doesn't change my appointment that God has given me. But that doesn't mean, hey, you know, if you get promoted to a new position in a job, you think you got promoted because you already know everything there is to know about that position? They put you there with an expectation that you will grow and that you will learn and that you will fit in there. They, they, you know, uh, sometimes they'll say experience, you know, we'd like it, but it's not required because we, we put you here, we expect you to learn it to, and to grow and to get better and to improve on it so that it doesn't stop because uh, we're not there yet. And, friend, we're not there yet. Just because we've been washed and filled, we're not still not there yet. There's a life to live after your conversion. And that was how it was with Paul. He, he was, man, what a conversion. But, man, there was a life uh, to live. There was miles to journey. There were sermons to preach. There were churches to start. There were miracles to happen. And, friend, all that was going to happen as long as he kept moving forward. And so so many times we're so Woo, so excited about that, that conversion that we think, well, that's it, I've arrived. Well, if Jesus comes right then, yeah, I'll give you that. But if he don't, and you've still got another 30 years to live on this church, then you better get about the Father's business. You better start moving forward. You better start walking for the Lord and living for him because we are not complete yet. And so Paul said, I'm going to focus Not on what's behind, but what's in front. I'm going to reach forth unto those things which are before. They're there. He said, I'm not just groping in the air. He said, I am reaching for things that are before me. It's there. The prize is there. The promise is there. We've just got to take it. We've got to walk toward the promise. It's there. Oh, my goodness. The, you know, we talk about the harvest and the field is there and the souls are ready, and, but nobody goes to work. Nothing gets done. We've got to get it is the, with Israel and their promise of, of manna and quail. I'm going to have manna laying out on the ground every morning, but you can sit in the tent till it goes away. Or you can get out and get you something, and then you'll be able to eat. You've got, I'll give it, but you've got to gather it you got to get with it, and, and so this is what Paul's saying. There, there are things yet because God filled me, and once we are filled, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What are we doing with that power? Are, are we just using that power to light up a sign saying, "Woo, here I am, I'm apostolic, I'm born again, and I don't got to do nothing else. Or are we saying, I'm letting, we're using that power to let our light so shine before men that they will see my good uh, works and glorify my Father in heaven. It's not about me. I'm not there yet. But I'm headed that way. I'm going. You know, back years ago, hey, at least it's better today, years ago when you left to go somewhere, when I get there, I'll call you. I'll have to find a pay phone, you know, or I'll have to call you collect. Uh, so you'll know where I'm at. You know, I, man, I would, we would go crazy today if, if our kids took off and said, uh, I'm, I've got to drive 12 hours to another state. I'll call you when I get there. Oh, man, my kids, I'm like, you call me every time you stop for gas. You call me when you pull out of the gas station so I know nobody got you. You pull, call me when you get in the parking lot. Call me when you're in the room. Call me when you're going to bed. And we've just, we're ruined by that, but it's, hey, I love it. I'm glad that I can just, hey, where are you at? I can text you and say, you okay? You know, and and if you don't get a text in just a few moments, then you call the police. (laughs) Hey, as a pastor of college students, I've gotten many phone calls from parents. Have you seen my kid today? And then I'll say, hold on just a second. And then I'll call them kids. And I'm like, and they're like, they answer on the first ring. Hey, pastor, what's going on? And I just go, call your father. Call your mother so that they don't call me. Okay, I'm sorry. But, you know, but we're so used to being able to check in everywhere we are. But, you know, I, I think sometimes the Lord's like, hey, you don't have to check in every step. You know within yourself where you are. We know better than anybody. Well, I hadn't quite arrived yet. And uh, guess what? If you're on a journey and you just pull off, things stop. You're not making any progression. They have rest areas along the way. And people would stop because they needed to stop. And that's what they're designed for. But whether you need it to stop or whatever, just understand that when you stop, there's no more progression. And that's the way it is in this walk with God. When you stop, it doesn't matter what, how many miles are behind you, you are still not where you're supposed to be going. And so you, you, you can't think, well, I left the house intended. I've got a reservation. Yeah, but you stopped halfway and decided I'm tired of driving, I'm tired of riding tired of the journey, still got a reservation. You know, what happens? You lose that reservation. <laughs> Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Keep going. Keep headed in the right direction. Keep doing what you got to do for God. So Paul said, I'm not complete. In other words, something's missing. And that's it. Sometimes it's just there's something missing in our life. And, and I, I think what happens is that we get so busy Uh, caught up in doing for the Lord that we don't uh, embrace anymore the commitment of just spending time with the Lord. We try to substitute works for worship. Can I tell you, you'll never... Hey, I'm all about good works. The scripture says we should be full of good works. I'm all about that. But there's a lot of people who will say, well, man, look how good, well, look at all the good they do in the world. And, and uh, they don't believe in the Lord, but look at all the good. It's because you'll never be able to do enough good works to substitute for pure worship. In John 4, it's, Jesus said that the Father's looking for those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's the kind of people He's seeking, uh, not the kind of people that just work. Yes, He wants laborers for the harvest, but He wants His laborers to be, number one, worshipers of Him. And so we worship Him. You're a worshiper before you're anything else. Because you can't even approach God and talk to Him until that heart turns. Sometimes we're a worshiper before we even realize it. Because when you turn your focus to God, searching for help or whatever it is, searching for repentance, searching for forgiveness, once you approach Him like that, you have just broke through into that worship mode. The Bible says, God will not hear the prayer of sinners, but if any man be a worshiper. And so when we come to an altar of repentance, we came to repent to him. and so we, we, Our focus is him. We, we repent to him because he's the only one we believe can do anything about it. He is the object of our worship and that repentance. And so he hears you and he forgives you. And then you go to the water and you're washed in his name and your sins are remitted and you come up out of that water and you're, you're, man, the blood has washed you white as snow. And then God fills you with his spirit. And, and now we, we are worshipers before anything else. Paul was a worshiper. He worshiped God, not according to knowledge. He would, he would say, I fell in with Israel when they had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He, needed some, he wasn't complete yet, but God was working on him when he gave him that revelation. So uh, there was something missing in Paul's life, and that was that revelation. But even Paul would admit, and he would say, and oftentimes he would let, let us know that here's my focus. He's starting churches everywhere. He's preaching here, there. He's raising up ministers. He's doing all kinds of things. But he would always go back to, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or as the power of God and the salvation of all that I believe. And then he would say, and I'm determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he would say, you know, one man a plant, one man a water but God gives the increase. He said, Paul's not nothing. Apollos is not nothing, but God that gives the increase. And so he would always go back and say, it's not about all the stuff I'm doing. That means nothing if I'm not focused on this God that I serve. And realize that without him, it's, you know, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And so we've, we've got to trust in God and, and spend time with him. And so he would spend time with the Lord. And he said, man, I... I've got revelations after revelation and, and I've been to places that I can't even repeat what I've heard and God had given me a thorn in my flesh to keep me, keep my head from getting too big. I did, so I got lifted up in myself because of these things. he he did, God didn't want him to start thinking, oh, I've arrived. I'm here and uh, I don't have to do nothing else. I know more than everybody. But that's not the way Paul was. Paul said, hey, brethren, I, I hadn't attained or even, I'm not even complete yet but I'm following after. That's why he would say be you followers of me as I follow Christ. Uh, you can't just follow me. If I'm not following the Lord then you know, hit the next off ramp but if I'm following the Lord you stay behind me. You stay with me. You stay following me because I'm going to keep following him and, and I trust him. He'll get us there. That's what we want. Uh, so on our journeys, even as kids and, you know, going on trips, we, you know, we, we get to a point where we were excited, but now we're stuck, stuck in the car, stuck on the journey. But you've got to learn to appreciate the journey. You know, uh, you riding down the road and say, well, it just all looks the same. It does for a while sometimes, especially if you're out west somewhere riding, it's just like desert, desert. Desert, desert, or you know, it's just—it looks the same way. But then all of a sudden, here comes a mountain. Here comes beautiful stuff. If you learn to look as you journey, you'll start seeing new things, and uh, and that's what I've learned in the natural when I'm riding and journeying. And I've learned that as I journey with the Lord, that you know, hey, guess what? Sometimes it's just week after week. it's, it's Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday. But in those Monday, Wednesdays, and Sundays, I see new people getting the Holy Ghost. New people, you know. I see people's lives being changed. I see healings happening. I see little things happening here and there because I'm looking to see. I'm not just like, oh, oh, I got to go to church again. Is it Sunday again already? You know, it's, it's just like, no, oh, it's not like that. It's uh, I've learned to appreciate this journey. You know, I I, I don't want to become. Uh, I don't want to have, you know, you could take a just a brand new car, brand new, high performance car, whatever, super fast, all this horsepower. But if the battery's dead, it can't outrun a pogo stick. I mean, it, all that potential and no power, and that's what happens. But you start getting weary on the journey uh, you, you've got to learn that uh, I've got to get some refresh and I've got to find a place where I can be renewed and revived and 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 uh, you, you got to, where's your focus at you know uh, that's one thing where you Paul said I am reaching forward for the things that are before and I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus I've got one goal and that is to win Christ, He said that in verse 8, that I may win Christ. That's my goal. That's my focus. And so I'm not focusing on the things behind. I'm not focusing on my pedigree. I am focusing on the Lord. And so we can choose. We can be like Paul in Philippians, or we can be like the psalmist in Psalm 73. He realizes that God is good. Truly God is good. He's good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. So He's good to people who are His. They're converted. He's good to us. But here's what happens to people that belong to Him. As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well now slipped because I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Well, there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. He began to look at the people of the world, people that don't serve God, people that just do what they want to do. And it's like, they never have a problem. they just making money hand over fist. They're buying houses, buying land, starting businesses, raising families. They just like nothing bothers, bothers them. They're, they're, you know, not, they're not losing family members. They're not, it's just like nothing's happening to them. And, and here I am, I've got this great God, and he's so good. How come I'm suffering? How come I've got tribulation and trials and tests? Because the enemy hates what you got. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out stealing, killing, and destroying his own people, the ones that are in his pocket, the ones that serve him. He's after the God's people. And this guy that says, look, I belong to God, and God is good to Israel, and God takes care of us, but man, I am having a hard time reconciling this, this walk with God as I watch other people just seem like they've got it. They just fall off backwards into a fortune, and I'm working 80 hours a week trying to keep the lights on. I don't understand this stuff. You know, I just get it. And in verse 16, he said, when I he, he complained for the next you know several verses and then sixteen says, well, I thought to know it, it was too painful for me. Man, it was giving me a migraine. It was breaking me down, it was hurting my heart. It was it was just too painful. I couldn't stand thinking about it anymore. I didn't know how to reconcile it, how to figure it out, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. I Figured it out when I got in God's presence, I was refreshed. When I got in God's presence, there was a revelation. And I began to realize that what I've got here is better than anything out there. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And, uh, and my hardest day, my most heartbreaking day serving God, oh, it's so much better than whatever I thought was my best day before my sins were washed away or I was filled with His Spirit. When I got into the house of the Lord, I realized there are great benefits laid up for me daily, that God's mercy is new for me every morning and that He has gone away to prepare a place for me that where I am uh, or where He is, I can be also. I understand that there's something waiting me he may mention that I realized that God set them in slippery places see those riches and those things that they build their house on that they build their life on that's slippery ground it'll never satisfy it won't last riches will make itself wings and fly away it won't be there one writer said, I saw the wicked like a green bay tree. said he was all spread out and big and mighty. And then I looked again and he was not. He was gone. He just he wasn't there anymore. And so he said, when I went into God's presence, I understood their end. And I would rather live the life I have now and hear him say well done than gain the whole world and lose my soul. <laughs> I don't want to be lost. And so maybe I ain't there yet, but I'm not going to focus on this world and what they think they've got because I know what I've got in his house. And I'm just like the Lord. It's not uh, my will or my desire that any perish. I wish that everybody would come to repentance, but uh, I can't make that decision for them. God wants people to be saved, but he can't make that decision for them. But what I do know is this, is I'm going to focus on the Lord so that I can see what he wants me to see. And then verse 28, he said, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Uh, let me tell you, there is something about the presence of the Lord, something about just uh, getting in a place where I can come boldly before the throne of grace in my time of need, and God will touch you and refresh you and revive you and strengthen you and give you that peace and give you that comfort. And, friend, you will walk another day, another year, and you'll just keep on going, passing those mile markers. That's You know, when you're riding down the highway, mile, I'm at mile marker this, mile marker that. You know, that tells you where you are. Let me tell you, you'll just be passing by those mile markers as you live for God. Uh, you're, you're growing, you're moving, you're headed toward those things that he wants you to do. And then one day you'll say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, and I kept the faith. Mile after mile, I kept the faith. Oh, when it was long stretches, you've been on one of them trips where you're like, hey, look, we'll stop at the next exit and get something to eat. I made that mistake before. And then it was like two hours before the next exit. And you're like, where am I at? Am I even on earth anymore are there you know is there any people in this where am i I'm starving or worse hey, I need the restroom we'll get we'll get the next there's a lot of here we'll get the next one, and then you see a sign that's like next rest area or next truck stop or whatever you're going for it's like fifty nine miles you're like, oh boy <laughs> well, sometimes you suffer on this journey it's uh' it's, Oh, but ain't you, you got to learn to appreciate them times of refreshing. <laughs> so, so we'll move on. Um, listen, I, I know uh, we talked about it at the beginning of our walk, that excitement. It's just like the, it's, that, it's that first love because he's your first love. Don't, don't, don't be like, oh, mama, daddy was my first love. He's, he's, he's your first love. There may be people that you have loved in this world, and that's the first people you can remember, but uh, he is your first love. The church of Ephesus was rebuked for leaving their first love, and I don't want to ever leave my first love. And I want you to listen to some of this, and, and you think about it, and if this, if you remember this as you first came to the Lord, and you were so excited about God, you when you first fell in love with God, you could hardly wait to pray. I mean, couldn't wait to pray. Couldn't wait to get off work or, or get to prayer meeting. Just you know, I couldn't wait to pray. When you first fell in love with God, the you know, tears of repentance just fell often, and they fell easily. You didn't struggle to, to, to get into God's presence. You, did, you know, The things of God touched your heart in a way that you just you automatically broke and you were just there at that that place of repentance and, and nobody had to shake you or move you or rock you or do nothing. You just, it was there. Every word of God was precious. You did not have to have a theological definition so you could say, well, I need to understand that before I obey it. It's just every word of God was precious and you said, I'm going to live by faith. And some people, unless you can give them some kind of theological background, they no, I'm not, I'm not, have it here in that scripture until you can tell me where it came from. And, and just, man, oh, but you, when you had that faith as a child, yeah. you know, it's good to grow and to learn things as you grow and do stuff, but man, just obeying. The, the very first example, one of the first examples I see is hey, Abram, leave your land and go to a place I tell you to go. I think I'm going to have to give you, I need some direction. I need to know where I'm going, how long it's going to take me to get. know that, Abram just got his family packed up and left. Well, The disciples, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Hey, Lord, what's that mean? Why I drop my nets? What's that mean? Oh, they just dropped their nets and went on following the Lord because that faith Uh, that that feeling of being in the presence of their savior it it didn't matter I'm just going where you want me to go I know I'm running out of time and so you just we we just walked in simple obedience because conviction fell on us so easily when we would read the word oh I got to do that Uh, there was one king in the scripture that they, they they found all the scrolls of the law and and they brought him in there and they started reading them to him. And, man, he's tearing his clothes and throwing dust on his head. And he's like, we we got got to fast. We're in trouble because <laughs> we hadn't been doing what the Lord said to do. And so he said, man, we're about to fast everybody. You know, everybody's fasting. We're praying we're going to seek God because we're in trouble. And that's why, we, you know, we would just read God's word and be like, ooh, hey. I need to, uh, I'm, I'm missing something. I, I, I haven't been doing that, you know. And, you know. And nobody had to come up and say, well, let me give you uh, an encyclopedia so you can read up on what that scripture means. No, it just means what it means. It just means what it means. And uh, so, you know, we, we didn't look at this as, as rules. It was, oh, it was a rule book. No, it wasn't like that for us because that fire that burned inside of us, is like the prophet said, it was a fire shut up in my bones. That, that fire inspired us to walk with God. We just wanted to walk with God, to do justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We just wanted to hear the whole conclusion of the matter, what do I need to do, fear God and keep the commandments. That's the whole duty of man. That was okay. That was it. What happened to that person on the trip? What happened to that person? Where has he or she gone? It's easy. Life, things happen get busy and you know we it's easy for us to to justify our lack of attention to our walk because there's so many others that do it I'm just part of the crowd I've said it before I don't want to be part of the crowd I'll be part of the cloud I want to be that great cloud of witnesses I want, I want to be part of that great cloud of witnesses. I want to walk by faith and not by sight. I, I, want, to, I want to be honest and admit, and you have to do this. It's painful sometimes to, to admit these things, that we actually have taken for granted that, that initial burst of passion that we felt at the beginning. We, we actually thought that's going to take us all the way. We talked about it last week. It's not one single moment, a miraculous moment but it is a lifetime of walking with God. It's just, Commitment is what it takes. Just like, oh, when you saw your, your spouse, when I saw my wife knock my socks off, man. I mean it. I was like, whew. I, I, she's going to be mine. I don't know who I'm going to have to kill, but she's going to be <laughs> mine. If there's anybody in the way, there's going to be a tragic accident because I want to make sure there's no, no, no competition here. But, um, you know, but really, I was—I mean, I really—I was like, whew, I can't hardly stand it, man. It was eating me up. I loved her so much, man. But, but I knew that's not what gets you. It'll be 28 years this month. That's not what gets you 28 years, because we—we're a lot different than we were 28 years ago. But we love each other more. Well, how's that possible? It's because you keep walking, and you realize we have not yet arrived. Even in our—our our, our marriage was good year one, two, three, four, five, all the way. Every year has been good but it's been better each year because you just keep getting closer to who you're supposed to be. And, and we haven't just arrived yet, but boy, we're on the journey. And that's, it's, it's good. And so we just keep on loving each other. We stay committed. We, we give the vows opportunity to work. That's the thing with that marriage stuff. I Man, you've got to wow. give them vows I, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, sickness and health. That's why you don't bail out. Because you give the vows a chance. You made a vow. Give them a chance to work. Hello. I know it. Listen, commitment. Jesus said, take up the cross daily and follow me. That's what's going to make you. Follow me and I will make you. But if you stop following, I can't make you. Follow me and I will make you. So listen, the feeling phase, the emotional phase, that don't last forever. And so that's when you start saying, when you trust it, you start saying, am I there yet? Are we there yet? Hey, we've got to stay focused on God. Listen, Solomon's kingdom started. You can come up here, baby. If I don't stop, I'm just going to keep going. Listen, Solomon's kingdom, when Solomon was getting ready to to come in, they had finished the temple. Man, his kingdom starts off with God's presence. The glory of God is so powerful that they can't even go in the temple to minister. He's got promises coming from God that, man, when you look toward this temple and you can be in another land and just turn and look toward this place and pray, and I'm going to answer, I'm going to take care of you. And, man, it just started off like incredible. He's, he's got people visiting from other countries to see his glory and see his wisdom and to inquire things. That he, nobody like him. He's, he's blowing people's mind with his judgments. They realize that God's just with him. But you know, somewhere in all that glory and power and fame, he stopped looking at God and listening to God and he he looked at himself. It happened. Because he ignored, more than once God warned him, do not take strange wives unto you. But he did. And when he did, it said they turned his heart and he began to build groves for them to worship idols and to do different things. And, and the scripture says that Solomon's heart was not perfect toward God as it had been. It wasn't. And that was his downfall. Same way with Saul. The prophet reminded Saul, the Lord told him, "says Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, we were good because you were just following me. But, but when you started believing, man, I'm king because, whew, because I should have been king, You know, uh, you get yourself in trouble. Get yourself in trouble. David prayed in Psalm 51, don't cast me away from your presence. As he repented. And I was thinking, you can stand with me. Acts 3 and 19 says this, that we should repent and be converted so our sins can be blotted out. But then he says, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Friend, that's not just one time. Repentance is a lifestyle along the trip, along the journey. Because you need refreshing along the journey, you need revival in your spirit along the journey. You know what helps bring it? Repentance. Lord, I'm sorry that I haven't prayed like I should pray. I'm sorry that I haven't been reading like I should read. I'm sorry I haven't been to church like I should. I'm sorry that I've neglected this gift that you gave me. And and that's repentance all along the journey. And God can refresh you because you just get into his presence. And for long, you won't have to ask him, are we there yet? You'll realize I'm right where I need to be with the Lord. Let's lift our hands and pray together. Precious Lord, we love you this morning. Thankful for your presence today. Thankful for the call to follow you. God, I pray that we'll keep our eyes ever focused on you, be led by your spirit into all truth. God, help us to find a place of repentance, an altar, times where we can be refreshed in our soul. God, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. So keep us, Lord, in the fear of you to walk upright always, God. We praise you, we love you, we thank you today. Oh, we ask, you, Lord, I ask you to bless these people today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Would you give him a hand clap and a shout of praise this morning? What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. All right, God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. I know we went just a couple of minutes over, but let's uh, find a place and pray and get ready for the word of God.